You're listening to the J. John Podcast. My guest is Rachel Jones, speaker, author, blogger. Rachel, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you very much for having me. How would you describe, Rachel, what it is that you do? Uh, So I'm an editor at The Good Book Company. Um, So my job there is to work alongside authors, helping them to hone their their books, their manuscripts, their ideas, um, and turn them into books that are going to serve and bless the church. Um, And as part of that, I do some of my own writing as well. And blogging and... Blogging and podcasts and speaking and, uh, yeah, lots of, lots of words, um, but it's a joy. I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but you were on a game show. Oh, I was on a game show, it's true. <laughs> how, how did you... This is bringing it back. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me bringing this up. Right, how, first of all, how did you end up on a game show? I, so it was in a period of my 20s when I was feeling a little bit bored of life, a little bit not sure what I needed to do next. You know, I kind of wanted to change jobs, didn't really like where I was living. I felt quite isolated at church um, and I didn't, didn't really know what the next step was. Um, but, you know, rather than sort of make any of those next steps, I decided to apply to be on a TV game show because that felt more achievable than any of those kind of big scary things uh, that, that you know, would, would change my life in any more meaningful way. And got selected. I applied, I got selected, uh, and then in fact it was years later that I finally got the call and um, my, my car had broken down that very morning in spectacular style on the way to work. So I knew it was an absolute goner. Got the call and uh, I thought it was going to be the garage. And it wasn't. It was the game show saying, do you want to be on tomorrow? We've had someone drop out. Um, and I thought, oh, this is, maybe this is Providence. Maybe this is my new car coming to me in the form of some game show winnings. Um, so I went on the game show. Suffice it to say... It was not my new car coming to me. Now, you have written on a number of subjects and we're going to look at those. But first of all, this is the one that came to my attention first. Mm -hmm. In fact, my son introduced me to it. What prompted you to write this? Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, first I should say, yes, those kind of periods. (laughs) (laughs) I had lots of conversations where, you know, people said, oh, what are you working on? And I said, oh, you know, it's a book about periods. And they'd say, oh, like periods of time, periods, historical periods. And I'd say, no, the other kind of periods. And they'd look, they'd look aghast. Um, But yeah, I suppose, I mean, I've been having periods since I was 11 or 12. Always been curious. Why? Why would God make us like that? Um, And And, and a woman in her lifetime would have around how many? Between 400 and 500 periods. Yes. So... Uh, for, for every woman, they're kind of inconvenient. Uh, for many women, they are more than that. They are painful uh, emotionally or physically, uh, mentally. Um, and yeah, I had, you know, in, in particular, one very dear friend who was um, suffering with endometriosis, uh, which is a condition that affects the menstrual cycle. And, you know, she was going through a a phase where she was missing one Sunday in four at church because her period pain was just so debilitating. And I thought, you know, the Bible's not 
silent about that. God isn't squeamish about that. And that's a really, you know, this is a really significant part of her Christian walk. Um, this is affecting her life in big ways. And yet it's not something that we really talk about. It was definitely nothing. I'd, I'd never seen a publishing proposal on something like that. I'd never heard it at church. Um, and so I wanted to write a book that would make her and the many uh, thousands of women like her feel seen and encouraged um, and, and ministered to by God uh, in the midst of that kind of very everyday experience in many ways of, of being a woman in a woman's body and experiencing a menstrual cycle. How, how do we understand pain mm. that happens every month to mm -hmm. women? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. And I, I, I think the, uh, the story of the Bible is, is one of this mixed up, our world is, is, is full of this mixed up pain and beauty. Um, and I think we, we see that in a woman's life as well, this kind of mix of, of, of pain and, and beauty, you know, the pain and pain of uh, the menstrual cycle. And then obviously that, that all points towards a, the pain of childbirth uh, is kind of on the, on, the, on the next end of the spectrum of that. Um, and yet these are, you know, these are good things of God. These, it's good to have a body. Um, it's good to have children. And yet there's so much, so much pain involved. And um, one of the things I was struck by writing the book, um, I, I, I spoke to this lady called B, and uh, she'd been struggling with periods for a long time. And uh, the doctors had done all sorts of tests, all sorts of investigations. And they'd said, you know, we, we, I'm sorry, we don't know. And she was just sent away with a, uh, we don't know what the problem is. And um, the thing is, you know, in that kind of situation, a diagnosis is better than, than nothing, even if it's bad news. And when it comes to the, the kind of question of pain, that kind of big existential question that all of us have to wrestle with uh, at, at some stage or other, um, the Bible gives us a diagnosis. It gives, tells us that the world has gone wrong, uh, that, that sin uh, means that pain and suffering is part of our world, not as a direct result necessarily, but just living in a fallen world. Um, but it also gives us hope that God is going to restore it. Um, and it tells us of Jesus, the man of sorrows, who entered into our world through childbirth, who uh, suffered pain himself to, to promise us a future without, a, without it. Um, and so that's the, yes. that's, that's the big story. That's the um, big story. And that gives us hope in the midst of it. You talk about period poverty, mm -hmm. and um, I found that very helpful. Uh, just explain what that is. Yeah, so that's the idea uh, that uh, lots of women can't afford uh, the period products they need um, at that time of the month, uh, can't afford tampons, can't afford sanitary towels. But even in a country like England, mm -hmm. it, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Which, which I find quite surprising, mm -hmm. but obviously you're not surprised. I mean, I'm sad and that in our country here, we're not responding to the need. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's lots of things that, that can be done. I know the, the Scottish government have, have looked at some stuff, um, kind of trying to, trying to broaden access so that 
every every woman and girl can access the the products that she needs. Um, and part of it's about uh, opening up the conversation, isn't it? About um, you know putting it putting it on the agenda as a as something we can talk about. Yeah, and not yeah, that's right. And not be embarrassed about, mm. and it, it's part of life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's lovely, isn't it? The story that's recorded in the Gospels about uh, Jesus and the woman who reached out and touched the hem of his garment, mm. who obviously had an issue regarding blood. When you, when you read that story, how do you interpret it and understand it? I just love Jesus in that story. You know, here we have a woman who is so full of, of shame. You know, we, we, there are cultural taboos about periods in our culture, uh, but they would have been, you know, magnified greatly in in the first century Jewish culture. You know, she can't go to the synagogue or the temple to worship because she's um, got this permanent menstrual bleeding. Um, the Levitical law prevents her from that. So she's she's unclean ritually. Um, she can't she can't touch people who are clean. Um, and so, you know, here's a woman who's who's very isolated uh, socially, isolated spiritually. Um, and and yet, uh, when she comes to Jesus, so you know you'll, you'll know the story. She she comes up behind him and she just grabs the edge of his cloak, and uh, she feels that her bleeding has stopped. Um, and you know just just the the joy in that moment, and yet then the fear as Jesus turns around and he asks, "Who's touched me?" And you know there's that. The woman must be in the crowd. You know, she knows she's done something. You know, you don't you don't go touching Jewish rabbis if you're a a, a woman who's ritually unclean. Um, and so eventually, she, she falls on her face in front of Jesus and she confesses the whole truth. And Jesus says, "Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering." So he doesn't he doesn't recoil in horror. Uh, he isn't embarrassed uh, by like these women's problems. Um, he has the power to help her, and he has so much. He has so much compassion on her, and you can almost hear the hear the warmth in his voice uh, as he as he ministers to her need, as he kind of restores her to community. Um, and it's just a beautiful picture of what he's come to do for all of us. Absolutely. No, I, I love that story. Um, and as you said, Rachel, uh, it's, the story begins with a woman, but Jesus calls her daughter. Mm. Um, and, uh, and he says to her, why did you touch me? And I think he knew the answer, mm-hmm. but he wanted almost to give her a confidence. It's okay to talk about yeah. this. And to say in front of everyone, you know, yeah. this whole crowd watching, yeah. uh, to affirm her and send her away with that, yeah. that really, those really precious words. Um, yeah. And to give her permission. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you permission mm-hmm. to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Who, who did you write this book for? I wrote it for everyone who has periods uh, and also for people who don't, for, for men, for pastors, for husbands, uh, for brothers who want to, to love sisters in Christ well. Um, yeah, I wrote it for people who have problem periods, people who are going through the menopause perhaps. Um, yeah, and I hope, it, I hope it's got something for, for, to help all of those people in it. Well, it's definitely, Rachel, a book also for men because mm-hmm. I think... Um, uh, when a man reads it, as I did, um, I think it gives us an uh, understanding 
And hopefully that understanding will help us cultivate patience. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's very important. And I think there's a a lot of ignorance, actually. Mm. Well, you know, I've, I've never read a book on periods till I've read this book. Also, Rachel, you have written this book. Is this it? Um, so that is the question I was asking in my in my mid twenties. That was, uh, yeah. So around about the time of the game show, that was all part of that same sort of uh, period of my life. Um, you know, I, I came across this phrase called the quarter life crisis yes. to kind of describe this experience. You've been out of education for a while. You've you know, you've done the first maybe couple of rungs on the job ladder, um, but you kind of find that adult life isn't what you expected or hoped it to be. Uh, and so, yeah, the kind of phrase quarter-life crisis was, was coined off the back of that. Is that because of uh, false expectations, disappointment? What is it? I think it's a mixture of things. I think it's partly expectations. Um, and But also, you know, uh, being a young person today is... is is there's there's tons of opportunities. You're sort of told that you can go anywhere, do anything, um, and in some senses, lots of opportunities uh, and choice is a good thing. Uh, in other ways, it can be quite overwhelming. Um, it's very easy to compare what you're doing with, with what other people are doing on social media. You can you can keep up with your peers and sort of see their Instagram filtered version of life and kind of compare it with your own. Uh, non-Instagram filtered version of life and and that kind of prompts a growing dissatisfaction. You know, house prices make make it harder than ever. You know, lots more people renting or living with their parents and just the kind of challenges challenges with that. Lots of people getting married later, settling down later. And again, it just sort of um, feeds this this sense of dislocation sometimes of, of where am I going? Uh, what's the what's the what's the plan? What's the future? And that that question, like, is this it? Is there is this all there is? Um, and so I wanted to write the book to to say no. You know, there's there's more to this life, and there's more than this life. And um, the Lord Jesus is is with us in the ordinary things, and He wants to infuse those things with with meaning and joy. Um, uh, research has indicated that uh, many in their 20s and 30s um, love Jesus, but they don't like the church. Mm-hmm. And they make choices about, I'm not going to be part of the church. And that's a, not a good, healthy place to be. No. So what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I mean, I'd want to be—I'd want to be cautious because I'm aware there's all, all sorts of reasons why people are, are wary of church. You know, lots of people have been hurt by church in the past. Um, but I, I would want to say, you know, God—God's big plan is uh, to save not just individuals but a people for Himself. He's gathering a people from every tribe and nation and, and throughout history, and um, you know, we get to. We get to be part of that as we as we gather in the local church, and that's 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 the the gift God has given us to help us keep going. Um, we're the gift that God has given the church to help other people keep going. Um, so I'd really want to encourage people to to take steps towards um, being part of a church. And yeah, I think um, 
I've certainly myself, you know, I've been surprised by uh, God's goodness to me in that and the way God's people have looked after me and encouraged me and helped me. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It is. Yeah, what, uh, one of my favourite quotes is from St Augustine who wrote, you cannot have God as your father without having the church as your mother. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm a great believer in encouraging people to know Christ and be part of the local church. Yeah. So, so important. What would you say, Rachel, to anyone in their 20s, 30s? They feel that they're at a crossroads in their life, a, a sense of restlessness, a sense that maybe some of their heart's desires uh, are either not heard by God or not answered by God. Uh, uh, yeah, a sense of that discontentment, but they love Jesus mm -hmm. and they don't quite know where to go. They might even be in a job that they really don't like mm -hmm. and they're wondering, well, <laughs> is this it? Yeah. So what would you say to them? I would say it is, it is a good and fine thing to seek to change your circumstances. You know, that when I was, uh, when I wanted change, but I just applied for the TV game show, that was kind of sticking my head in the sand and not really dealing with things. I think, um, you know, knowing Jesus and knowing that he holds the future means we can take steps of faith. We can, we can make changes, we can you know, do things that, that, that feel risky or take courage uh, in terms of decisions or uh, relationships. Um, he can empower us by his spirit to do that. Um, but also, you know, we love Jesus and we want to, you know, there's, there's great joy in just knowing him in the, the mundane and the ordinariness of life. And much of life is very ordinary and that's okay. Like that is, that is, that is how it is. Um, and so, yeah, you want to be, you want to be, um, yeah, seeking to, seeking to find joy in, in the, in the small things and the small gifts that God gives us, even, you know, just the, the spring leaves on the trees, uh, and the sounds of the birds, you know, there's, there's so much, so much joy to be had. Um, but also, you know, uh, empowered by, empowered by the spirit and, in, in confidence in Christ, we can also step out and make changes and, and, and see what God has for us in the future. Um, and we know he's going to bless us because he's our father and he's good and he wants good things for us. I know. And, and it's believing it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Believing it and expecting it. Mm. Um, you know, I like what you said. Yes, so much of life is, feels ordinary but we can walk with an extraordinary God. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's what I got from your book, is this it? And you're basically saying, no, no, it doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. The God, the creator of the universe can be part of everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm reminded by that scripture of Jesus saying, come unto me, all those of you that are heavy laden. So many people, despite hearing this message, Rachel, still feel heavy laden. Mm. So how can we help them release these burdens? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. 
Yesterday, I was hearing someone preach on Luke 10, on yes. Mary and Martha. And you have Martha uh, flapping around in the house because she loves Jesus and Jesus has come and he wants, uh, she wants to, to serve him well. And then you have Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. And I love Jesus when he says to, he says to Martha, you know, few things are necessary or indeed only one. And it's what Mary has chosen. It's sitting at his feet and listening to him. And um, I think that was a, just a, a beautiful reminder that uh, all, all Jesus wants of us is to come to him and speak to him and listen, listen to him. And, you know, the, the person preaching was, was reminding us that that's, that's not hard. You know, the bar is not, the bar is not high. You know, he, he, yeah, he just, he wants us and he wants to lavish us with his love. And um, that's a beautiful thing. You've also written, Rachel, these lovely bite-sized uh, booklets, five things to pray for your heart, five things to pray for your world, and five things to pray for your church. Um, what prompted you to write these, Rachel? So these, I so I started working at the Good Book Company um, uh, pretty much straight out of university. They were advertising for an intern. Um, and so I, I got that job, which was great. I was really excited. Uh, and it was it was a great job, but one of the problems was there were there were often not enough things for me to do. Um, so you know the the other editors were sort of scrabbling around to find, find things for the intern to do, and uh, my boss had had written a blog about um, you know five things to pray for something or other, and uh, he was meant to be be writing the first book, and um, he said, oh you know why, why don't you just uh, why don't you just come up with a list of ideas for me, do, do some brainstorming for me. So I went away and did that and brought it back to him. And I said, oh yeah, that's good. Why don't, you, um, why don't you think of some passages that would go with these different themes? So I went away and did that for him. And he said, oh yeah, that's good. You know, why don't you just um, like list what the, what the different prayer, prayer points would be for each of those passages and themes? So I went away and did that for him, brought it back. And he said, oh, you know, that's good. Why, why don't you just write it, Rachel? You might as well just write it now. Um, and honestly, I thought they were just keeping me busy as yes. the intern. But uh, no, they, we went on and we published it. Um, and yeah, so that was a brilliant experience. And it really, I'm so grateful to have written them because it really changed the way I pray. Just really? the idea that you can just take a passage of scripture and, you know, see what God's promises are, his priorities are, you know, search it for, for the heart of God. You know, what, what is he doing in the world? What does he want to do in me? What does he want to do for other people? And then just um, ask him to fulfill what he's promised, you know, ask him to, to, to do what he, he wants to do, you know, praying in line with God's will. Um, and so, yeah, soaking, soaking our prayers in, in the scripture and letting that kind of inspire us and help us to go, go deeper in prayer. Um, definitely, definitely change the way I pray. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that opportunity and I hope they're hope yeah. helpful well, for other people too. Well, definitely. I, I love the fact that you've got how to pray for the world, how to pray for the church, uh, for your heart, different areas. So w what advice would you give us about what to pray for our heart? I mean, what I love is that God is interested in changing our hearts. You know, isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it brilliant that he doesn't want to just leave us as we are? You know, isn't it wonderful that he wants to change us and grow us? 
Uh, he wants to grow the fruit of the Spirit in us, and he's given us the Spirit to help us do that. So I'd want to I'd want to be optimistic about what what God wants to do for us, and then you know I'd, I'd say let's let that optimism um, shape how we pray. Let's pray expectantly uh, for God to change us. Let's pray. Um, you know, really, yeah, looking, looking for him to changing us and, and knowing that he, he loves to answer those prayers. You know, when we pray that we would be more humble or more loving uh, or more gentle, those are, those are prayers God loves to answer because those are the, the fruit he, he loves to grow in us. Um, and uh, yeah, so I find it helpful to, in that, in that book, certainly I've, I, I, I kind of, work through the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. Um, and there's a different passage for each aspect. And then each passage draws out five things to pray uh, in that direction, just just kind of um, walking through slowly, meditating on those those um, those those aspects of character, seeing how seeing how Jesus is all those things and yeah. uh, asking him to change us. I, I was reminded as you were speaking there, Rachel, um, of King David, mm -hmm. who obviously had some major setbacks with adultery and murder, uh, but he was a man after God's own heart. Mm. And there was something about David's heart that um, God loved. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, that would be something great, wouldn't it, if, if God would say that about our hearts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. And the heart is the the wellspring of all our actions, isn't it? You know, it's 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 what's inside that then shows in how we speak to people and how we treat people and how we inhabit the world. Um, but God can God can affect real change from the inside out, and that's the you know that's one of the great hopes of the the Christian message. How do you see the future for yourself? Oh, who knows? <laughs> what are your expectations? Uh, my expectations, so at the moment I'm studying, um, so I'm working part-time and I'm studying part-time theology. Um, so I, you know, I decided to do that a couple of years ago uh, just because I want to serve the church as best that I can. Um, I'd love to do more writing. Um, I love teaching the Bible. Um, you know, a lot of that is, is to kids at my church. Um, but, you know, I love the love opportunities to... Uh, teach the Bible more widely as well. And I just, yeah, I, I hope to be uh, a useful servant of the Lord. Um, you know, how wonderful it is that God uses us to bless other people. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, you know, my hope and prayer is that he'll be gracious to continue to do that through me. Well, keep on writing, Rachel. Keep on speaking and keep on going. Thank you so much, Thank Rachel, you. for joining us on Facing the Canon. My pleasure. I really hope you've enjoyed that. I hope it's inspired you and encouraged you in your own journey of faith. Thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again. No one is born a hero. They become one by repeatedly choosing to do what's heroic. Heroes of the Faith, Volume 2, J. John's brand new coffee table book, continues the testimonies of faith, sacrifice, love, generosity and perseverance found in Volume 1. Retelling 60 remarkable stories, including inspirational people such as Mahalia Jackson, Brother Andrew, Rasalama of Madagascar and David Wilkerson, 
we're reminded that the road to being a hero is to take heroic actions one step at a time. Heroes of the Faith, Volume 2, available now from jjohn.com and other bookshops.